Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469 469- Four zero zero seven six five zero. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Devin Hassan and Kendrick Johnson. On today's podcast, we're going to talk first-round reactions to the high school football playoffs, um, including things like a big night in Frisco ISD, a triple overtime thriller for Louisville, and uh, the best four-win team in the state. <laughs> but, <laughs> Dare we say. <laughs> but, uh, but first, uh, let's talk a little uh, 9-6-A versus 10-6-A. Um, I think, uh, you know, whether it's fair or not, just because of the size of the schools in District 9-6A and the the pedigree of some of those athletic programs, fair or not, there's going to be this perception that in most of these first-round matchups, regardless of sport, 9-6A is kind of expected to kind of lord over 10-6A, that it's already happened in volleyball, um, you know, when 9-6A swept 10-6A, and I believe they only, you know, surrendered one set in doing Mm -hmm. so, and there was some talk heading into uh, the first round this previous week in football that of of a four sweep could very well be in the cards. Well, not we, obviously we didn't get a 4-0 sweep. It was 2-2, two and two, and I think all things considered, uh, 10-6-8 kind of held, um, held up pretty well. I think so. I mean, I, you know, even even in the losses, you know, Rylett, you know, taking on Allen is just a, a yeah. completely different animal. But Rylett was able to at least be somewhat competitive in that first half. And Naaman Forrest, who got blown out by Prosper 48-14, to mm. you know, earlier this season, you know, put up a better fight as well. And then you had the two teams that advanced as, you know, Saxe uh, able to uh, gain their measure of revenge mm-hmm. against Plano East in the game. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about here Absolutely. in a moment. Um, and then Wiley going out there and surprising McKinney. Wiley. Yeah, it's just uh, just a recap of the scores from this one. Allen did the Allen thing. They beat Rowlett 56-21. Um, Saxe defeats Plano East 35-25. Wiley over McKinney 38-28. Um, and then Prosper uh, 41-21 over Naaman Force. But like I mentioned, that was a 13-7 game at the half. Mm-hmm. And Prosper's lone touchdown came on a pick six. Yeah. So a, def- a far different script than when those two teams saw each other all the way back in week one. And I believe Prosper won something to the tune of like 41-14, yeah. 48-14, something Offsided like that, um, you know, Kendrick. You saw this McKinney team, and perhaps it's just because, like with Wiley, they were in this district, you know, these last couple last years. Couple so years. now that they're over in ten six a, a little bit off the, you know, off the radar for us now. So, um, you know, with the momentum that McKinney was able to build late in the season to clinch that playoff spot, it felt like at least a little bit of a surprise that Wiley was able to uh, give them the fits that they did. I guess since I was there, like um, 
they definitely, if they play ten times, they're five and five. Mm-hmm. McKinney's inexperience came into play. They hadn't been on that big stage yeah. and playing on the road. A neutral site would have made a big difference in this game too. Got Wiley fell off the crowd. Their quarterback punched the Rashad Dixon. That guy was the player of the game. Hundred fifty yards on the ground, three tubs, and he threw for another one. So you got to that that one guy was the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinney has to hang their head out. Um, Coach Shavers told me, tell everybody. So I'm using this platform to tell everybody <laughs> the Lions will. Be back next year, and it will be better. So, if you're ones like this in the Shaver era, yep. it's a lot of promise from McKinney that they got some people. Even though they went to the playoffs, they got some people that they feel that they should have beat that they let off the hook, mm-hmm. like Plano East and stuff that they yep. got on their list that they're coming for next year. So, nothing to hang their heads well. They're to me, they're ahead of schedule because. On the schedule, I was trying to see how I see a path for them to the playoffs. I didn't see a realistic path, and they just made their own way. <laughs> so the fact that um, they did that in year one, they have a very deep um, sophomore class and a, a pretty talented junior class coming back. They will be back, and they will be ready. They're not just trying to get there. They're kind of like the uh, to still want a coin from Conor McGregor. They didn't come to take part of the playoffs. They came to take over. <laughs> With uh, you mentioned them, you know, letting Plano East off the hook, and we can transition to Plano East. Talk a little bit about that game because that was definitely an anticipated uh, first round matchup with them rematching Saxe all the way back from uh, from week three. It was at the time, you know, kind of the signature win for uh, for Plano East in the way we're living. Mean, just twenty nine to seven looked fairly dominant in doing so. Uh, obviously, a lot has changed with uh, with the Saxe program ever since, and I think that uh, you know Friday was maybe the first true realization that just how far things have come since that Owen three start as they uh, yeah as they were able to avenge that early season loss to Plano East 35 to 25 in a game that really kind of bore a lot of similarities to that initial meeting um, you know this was a very defensive minded first half seven to seven just like the first matchup you know Saxe scored on its opening drive Plano East defense you know held serve the rest of the way East ties it up late in the second quarter I was surprised Plano East really had like seemed to have momentum on its side you know heading into the half I mean they were able to force a, a turnover on downs and then as Saxe's drive to potentially, uh, you know, get a lead going into the break. Uh, Josh Blagowski, the standout, um, you know, def- uh, standout uh, linebacker for Plano East, he's he commandeers a goal line stand and just completely blows up a uh, <laughs> blows up a play at the goal line. Sacks Derek Rose um, as uh, as time expires, and just like that, I mean, Plano East just roaring into the into the half. And Sacks, you know, credit to them, they uh, they kind of just shook that off. You know, Plano East was able to get a uh, you know get a lead, thirteen to seven, and then it was all Sacksy from there. And a lot of the uh, you know kind of the elements that contributed to the way that Plano East was able to gain separation in that first meeting were evident on Friday, except they worked in Saxe's favor this time. You know, you had the, the quick little burst where Saxe, you know, retakes the lead on the Trent Dean touchdown run, and then on the following drive, East gets right near midfield, quarterback Brandon Mallory gets banged up on a sack as the third quarter ends. They got to bring in their backup who wasn't even on the roster <laughs> provided to the uh, to the press in the uh, in the press box. That's just I mean that's how dig how deep they had to dig. Did Mallory get hurt? Um no, no, I mean he was back the following drive, but he was just dinged up for that. And it's you know it stinks for playing East in hindsight because that was a play that really helped get momentum firmly back on oh, Saxy's side uh, as the backup comes in, throws a pick six to who else? Yeah. Yeah, Braylon Brooks <laughs> as he returns his, you know, I guess what is his, his fifth I mean, fourth, fifth. One, five, it, it felt like his twenty fifth with the yeah, he's, 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 he's got five, he's, five he's, he's got four pick sixes and a seventy five yard fumble return for so touchdowns. So, and ten, ten interceptions on the yeah. year now. Ten, it's, sign him up. What's going on, dude? 
A lot, a lot of receivers don't see the end zone five times in a season, let alone a defensive back. Uh, and, and, you know, when yeah. we talked about this game going in, you know, I mentioned, and, and the same thing going into the Rowlett game, I thought mm-hmm. the sexy defense, they had the playmakers. And I should have just said Braylon Brooks. Yeah. But um, they do have those guys that, that can turn the course of the game with one play. And that's what Braylon Brooks has been able to do. All I mean, he did it against Lakeview when they, you know, they had to struggle to beat Lakeview. Mm-hmm. But Braylon Brooks had a pick six. That was the difference in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't just, he's got 10 interceptions, but they've all, it seems like they've all come at huge times in the game. I was just impressed with how their defensive line held up, especially yeah. considering they were missing the anchor of that, maybe the defense overall in Hunter Spears, and yet it was a player like Anthony Yanwu, who Coach Barron said afterwards, as a kid, they found in PE class, yes. <laughs> and, he, and he's out there making, you know, two, three sacks in, the, in, a, in a playoff game. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> legit. I mean, yeah, and it was kind of odd because, like, I think back to that first matchup, and Plano East was the team that really kind of wore down Saxe as the game went along, and the roles were reversed on Friday. It was Saxe that was the more dominant team in the trenches, and yeah, I mean, credit to credit to the Mustangs because it really was a, a nice redemptive performance, and really kind of it really did, like I said earlier, it really just showed how much progress they've made when you're able to beat a team the caliber of Plano East. Yeah, yeah. I can speak to this because you cover ten six A. Would you be saying though that those are the only two teams that could play in nine six A on a year to year basis? Because like Wiley, they were in the playoffs two years ago. Not same district. Rylett would be fine in 96A. And you know, and, and Lakeview and Naaman Forest had made the playoffs the last couple of years. Shout out to LC. Um, you know, <laughs> again, it's you know, I think they're, they're not going to beat Allen this silly. You know, I mean. But no one at 960 beats Allen anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's not like anybody there is taking care of business against Allen. I've told that before. They're the bully on the block, but nobody swings on the bully. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but those, I mean, those teams would all be competitive. I mean, there's you can make an argument the last couple of years that Saxe would finish second in that district. Mm-hmm. And Rowlett, um, you know, has, has had some, you know, really good teams in the past. Um, they've taken on some of those teams in the, in the playoffs and been able to, to win some of those games. So, yeah, I, I think so. But uh, just real quickly back, um, you know, to, to the last thing on, on the Saxe Plano East. Yeah, in the trenches. But having Derrick Rose at quarterback allowed Saxe to stick to their game plan. Yeah. Even if they just didn't, even if they only had seven points in the first half, they still knew what they did best and they stuck with it as opposed to, I think, the first meeting where they tried to, you know, they're not, they score on the first play from scrimmage and they, they're shut out. They're going to have to try some different things. I think that allowed them to, you know, with having Derrick Rose, hey, we're going to stick with it. it. You know, our points will come. And you mentioned in the trenches, yeah, losing Hunter Spears makes a huge difference. But that's one thing where you see, you know, they rotate eight, nine guys on that defensive line starting week mm-hmm. one. And you see that depth kind of pay off when other guys are able to step up. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, you know Clark Garborough, Josh Stafford, Ryan Jones, those guys um, have been kind of stalwarts of that line and they've just they've been able to elevate their level of play obviously it is still worth noting because if there was any one moment from this game that probably went a bit more viral than others (laughs) it was the uh, it was the fight (laughs) that's right there was a there was a fight late in this game as uh as sexy is uh you know put a basically a coffin nail touchdown run by uh, by derrick rose to make it i believe 35 to 19 after chase frank's extra point goes up there are fisticuffs and uh yeah i mean it was uh, not just some routine pushing and shoving this was a uh, this was a legit. Now this was a brawl. This was one that drew coaches out, and you know you had coaches getting trampled on, trying to break things up. You had a helm 
someone's helmet got ripped off and flown like, like 50 feet <laughs> in the air. Cool. It was uh, uh, maybe a Saxy helmet, I think. I mean, there, I don't know. There were a lot of... Uh, it was definitely a very, very heated... It, it was a very heated scuffle between the Panthers and the Mustangs, and one that wound up resulting in eight ejections, uh, five for Plano East and three for Saxy. And oh, they're not eligible this week. That's the thing. Well, with yeah, with Saxy, yeah. over the summer, the, uh, the UIL legislative <coughs> committee, they stipulated that if a player is, um, is ejected from a football game, that at minimum, they must miss the, f- they ha- the first half of the following game. So, and there were some, you know, of those three names, there were a couple impactful ones for Saxy. So, and when you yeah. factor in what they have up next against uh, Waco Midway, which is among the, the favorites to potentially uh, you know, make it to the regional final in 6A Region 2, um, obviously you need all the horses you can have. And if Saxy is sh- you know, a bit shorthanded early on at least, um, you know, that could put the Mustangs in a pretty tough spot. <laughs> it, it really does. And it's just something that, uh, you know, it's inexcusable. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you've got to know what's at stake anytime. I don't care if it's week two or week 12. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's they're going to have to deal with um, you know a couple notable losses and, and just kick, you know get their head refocused because that's something that can kind of drag on, kind of stick with, kind of stick with you. Uh, you know, it's a discipline issue, and um, you know they need to put it in the rearview mirror and, and get focused. Because it had been like it had been simmering all game long. You could see a lot of physicality, a lot of chippiness between yeah. the players, and it was it was. I mean, but that's football though. That time that kind of stuff happens all the time. But you just you keep it there. You contain it within yeah. that. You don't let it escalate to something that uh, you know could have a, a potentially damaging effect on the team big picture. So um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, on both sides, just a total lapse of maturity, and yeah, just kind of and both coaches sound pretty embarrassed about the whole thing as they should because yeah, there's there's no reason for any of that. And and, and so I heard I heard people talking about it over the weekend that that it might have even had off the field, mm-hmm. um, you know. I guess the, the origin of the conflict because people don't think about Saxony and Plano East being rivals, but those schools are not that far apart no. at all. It's like fifteen twenty minutes, and, yeah. and they, they run in similar circles, so you know a lot of these guys know each other mm. off the field, and so heaven in the mix, man. <laughs> Who are your sources? You <laughs> <laughs> got street insiders, street insiders. Yes, yeah. right. That's called working the beat, Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Well, like I said, we can shift gears to uh, to one of the other uh, one of the other teams in Region Two, one that had a very uh, a very strong. Uh, a strong opening to the playoffs. A team that I think maybe if you just looked at win-loss records, this might have been deemed an upset, but we knew something might be brewing with Mesquite Horn with the job that they did closing out the regular season and just the general pedigree of that program, and they showed as much in defeating Temple. Yeah, 45-38. Mm. Um, one of the better games, um, you know, better by district games in the state. Uh, Nikowski Emery uh, catches a 37-yard touchdown pass from Jermaine Givens with 11 seconds left, and uh, that's the difference in a game that went back and forth, back and forth, um, you know, all night long. You know, again, this is no one's seven horn team, but we kept, you know, we talked about it in the podcast for several weeks now that, you know, despite their struggles early on against top competition, this is a team that's to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Uh, they're showing that experience. Uh, just, you know, Jermaine Gibbons has just. These last this last month he's been incredible. He was the district most valuable player last year, but he kind of struggled this uh, you know for most of the year. They didn't have quite the set of receivers that they've had in years past, so the passing game has struggled. Now Jermaine Givens has been taken off with his legs, and that was no different on Friday. Seventeen carries, two hundred and eleven yards. Uh, you know he led eleven sixteen of rushing. He's been able to do that, but this is a guy that threw for over twenty eight hundred yards last season, and he came into this game averaging less than hundred yards 
for game passing. And it was just, you know, it was just trying to get on, on the same page with some of the receivers. Well, some of those receivers stepped up this past week. And that, I think, is the most encouraging thing, encouraging thing for Horn going forward is Jermaine Givens goes 20 of 26 for 293 yards and three touchdowns. Mm. Those are the kind of games he was putting up last year. You know, you know, putting up over 500 yards of offense in a game, rushing and, and passing. Uh, the rushing's been there. The passing hasn't. So it's, it's hugely encouraging for Horn going, pat, going forward. Having a couple of these receivers step mm-hmm. up and having Givens rounding back in the form at just the right time. And I think you, you probably consider them a favorite going forward now against Wiley this Friday. Yeah, this Horn team all of a sudden has a chance to go three rounds deep in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I, uh, I, was, I was I joked in the newsroom about somebody, a certain program having a mystique, but that experience has to come in some way. People mm-hmm. don't realize, like, these kids grow up expecting that even if they have a bad year like um, Mesquite Horn has. They know tournament's a whole different ballgame because yeah. they've seen people go on that run, and I think that's an under, uh, underrated value fact that's coming into play. Before I uh, before we get out of here for this half of the podcast, Devin, I just want to get a quick quick thoughts from you from your game on Friday. Uh, Mesquite Poteet <laughs> and just a, a thriller against College Station, one the Pirates came up on the short end of, but nevertheless a pretty at uh, home? a pretty fun uh, yeah pretty fun first round game. It, it was it was a wild game. Uh, College Station, the defending Division Two Flat Five A Division Two state champions, um, are able to pull out a 41-38 victory. Uh, you know, just too many big plays allowed by Poteet. Uh, College Station had four touchdowns for 60, 67 yards or longer. Uh, Brandon Joseph, uh, their electric return man, he had a 100-yard kickoff return and a 68-yard punt return. And, you know, you get two touchdowns on special teams, it's really tough to overcome. And I, and I said this during the thing, I, you know, I said, they fell behind John Tyler 21 nothing. They fell behind McKinney North 21-10. You cannot dig too big of a hole this time of year. And they go out there and do the same thing. <laughs> they spot College Station a two-touchdown lead. Go and, you know, it's, um, But, and, and, you know, to their credit, they always, they, they were able to rally and take the lead against John Tyler before the Hail Mary yeah. did him in. They were able to come back and, and beat McKinney North. And they almost came back again. Um, they you know, they had all the momentum on their side. It was 34 to 31. They had the home crowd. They were energized. And uh, you know, to College Station's credits, uh, they had a fourth and about a yard and a half down there at the Poteet 26. Uh, they'd run their quarterback, Brandon Williams, four straight times right in the back. Uh, I think Poteet was expecting the same play, and it looked like that's where they're going. Um, but he had Colby Cashin outflanking him. Uh, they ran a perfect option. It was a perfect call. Poteet okay. was at, you know, they collapsed on the quarterback, and it was just a brilliant, it was a brilliant call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they go up forty-one to thirty-one again. Poteet's able to come back. They get a forty-yard touchdown pass from Dalton Dale to Cam Lankin with with forty-eight seconds left. And you think, okay, maybe we're going to have you know mo- memorial magic once again. Uh, but the onside kick uh, does not uh, does not work out for him, and it's uh, you know a really disappointing loss for a Poteet team that I think was confident going in, and I think they were they, they were confident they could make a run this year. Mm-hmm. And I think they're looking to look back at that game as one that they should have won. First time they've ever lost in the first round? First time, well, yeah, since since their little streak here uh, in, in 2010 of making the playoffs eight of the nine years, okay. yes, every previous appearance there, they, they made it at least to the area round. So, uh, yeah, d- disappointing on a lot of fronts for Poteet this year. We've, uh, we've got some more reactions from the first round of the high school football playoffs, including a look at it. Frisco ISD, some thoughts on Denton County, and we will get to that in a bit. Um, first off, though, I want to shine that student-athlete spotlight out on Louisville. Uh, Louisville was involved in a heck of a game <laughs> against uh, against. Cal- this past week, and um, obviously Louisville's defense has been kind of at the forefront of the Farmers' uh, you know resurgence this season. And uh, Justin Thomas took a chance to swing by and talk with their uh, their standout safety Kevin Anderson, and we'll see what he had to say after a word from the sponsor. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we're here with Kevin Anderson, Senior Safety for the Louisville Fighting Farmers. So, Kevin, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us here on the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Yes, sir. Well, you guys are gearing up for a big second-round playoff game against Duncanville. Uh, just talk about the mindset of the team and how you guys are getting ready for uh, one of the top-ranked teams in the state on Saturday. Uh, I mean, we just, we just got to go into it knowing that we'll take care of our job. It's nothing really that that we have to do to prove to everybody else. We're the only people that believe in ourselves. Everybody else is expecting us to lose, but we got a mindset that we're going to go hit him in the mouth. You guys are just, I'm guessing, just starting to look at film and stuff on Duncanville, but what are your kind of early impressions yes, on the Panthers? Uh, they're, a pretty, they're a pretty good football team. They're physical. They're going to try to uh, run it down our throat, but we just got to be big up front and be big in the, I mean, be good in the back end. So you're a senior. Obviously, yeah, it's been a long time since uh, – Louisville's football team have been in the playoffs until this season, but you guys uh, got the Farmers back over the hump. Just talk about the season and what it means to you as a senior to have a Louisville back in the playoffs this season. Uh, I mean, it, it means a lot. Since freshman year, we've been talking about it. Our class 2019 was going to bring back the old Louisville, and we got the alumni and the whole city behind us, so it, it feels pretty good. What do you think is? Uh, what do you think about this team? Is uh, makes this team special? Why were you guys able to have the season you have and get back to the playoffs and now already in the second round? I think this team we're big on brotherhood. Like we we all have each other's back. The previous years we were all individuals. Everybody wanted to do their own thing. But this team we all play for the man next to us, to the right, to the left of us. So you guys get to the playoffs for the first time since 2007 and quite the uh, thrilling first round game you guys had on so, Friday. Just talk about the emotions and the intensity of playing in a playoff game that goes into multiple overtimes i mean it was really emotional we got we got lucky in the first half the quarterback went out the game so that kind of gave us an extra lead but i mean it's just the vibe and the, the fans and everybody in the stands the game was it was lit you guys defense has been on a roll i know they got up in the 20s but obviously mm-hmm. overtimes had a little bit to do with that but before that in district you guys really kind of shut down everybody just talk about what your defense has been able to do and some of your teammates i mean we're big on stopping the run because while he stresses every week that nobody's going to be able to line up and power through us i mean we wouldn't be able to do it without our front four but the back end we're pretty solid too yeah and you guys have I'm guessing pretty good camaraderie. Some of you guys in the secondary have been on the varsity for a few few years now. Yes, sir. All years we played together. So you guys um, started district and had a pretty heartbreaking loss against Flower Mound. You guys had a good lead and lost it. How are you guys able to put that game behind you and get on this winning streak that you guys have been on a roll since then? Well, I mean, the Flower Mound game, we knew what happened. We just had to get over it. We knew that we uh, shot ourselves in the foot. We gave it away. I mean... There's nothing we really could do about it, but bounce back and come back stronger. Yeah. Well, um, talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, for those that don't know, Kevin is a uh, committed to Texas State. Talk about uh, kind of what your decision was there and your thought process and what you're uh, looking forward to at the next level. I mean, I, I kind of chose Texas State over every, everyone else because they kind of made me feel like I was at home. Like, they brought me in. Like, I, they actually wanted to have me there. And Coach Withers was good to me. He was like... He wasn't just a coach. He was just like a he was a good friend. Yeah. 
All right, so what's it going to take for you guys to to pull off the upset and take down a mighty Duncanville here on Saturday out of Birdville? We got to execute, execute. We got to, we got to just, we can't have any mistake, any mental mistakes. We got to come in and focus. We got to punch them in the mouth early. Coming out for practice today, did you see? Did you feel like your teammates had that intensity? Everybody's kind of ready to go. Yes, sir. I think I think this is uh, one of the best Mondays we had going in. We, we're very confident about the game on Saturday. All right, Kevin. Well, anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, nothing much. Just look out for the upset on Saturday. Well, you heard it from Kevin there, so you can check out uh, Kevin and the Farmers uh, Saturday against uh, Duncanville out at Birdville Fine Arts Athletic Complex. Kevin, thanks a lot for taking a few minutes to join us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks again to Kevin Anderson for taking the time to chat with Justin for our student athlete spotlight, recapping uh, yeah a wild one for Louisville. What yeah. a what a way for the Farmers to to reintroduce themselves to the playoffs. Yeah, I wasn't out there for that one, but looks like a awesome game that went down there at, at Collins Stadium mm-hmm. in Denton with the Farmers winning in a triple overtime to get to the area round. So big win for Louisville there. Looks like our former colleague, I guess, Tim, had yeah. got to watch a good one out there. So, um, But yeah, A.J. Newsom accounted the quarterback, counted for four touchdowns, mm-hmm. and then again, that Louisville defense steps up again. You know, they hold Keller to 20 points in the regulation and then shut them out in two of the three overtime periods. So um, obviously a huge win for Louisville. Yeah. Looks like they were going crazy after the win, obviously, rightfully so. So fun times out in uh, Farmerland and just got this check out a little practice today as they're getting ready for Duncanville and stuff so we were um, we were talking in the first half about just the uh, 9-6-A versus 10-6-A and it being uh, you know a bit more competitive than folks might have initially expected coming in with um, I mean with as balanced as those 5-6-A and 6-6-A districts are um, what were your just kind of overall impressions on how one fared versus the other after the first round well obviously though I was a little surprised um, not necessarily surprised that you know the the series kind of split two to two. I mean, they seem like pretty close districts, but I was kind of surprised that the two five six a yeah five six a wins were as convincing as they were. Yeah. It looks like Flower Mound was a little closer than the score. I think it was they scored maybe late in the third to make it thirty one to twenty one against Geyer, mm-hmm. and then got outscored twenty one nothing in the fourth quarter. So maybe a little closer than fifty two twenty one. But then man, Carroll just laid the wood to Cup <laughs> on Saturday. I mean, that was as big of a beating as I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't really know have much to say about that. <laughs> I mean, the former Cowboy TJ McDaniel goes crazy. He has 300 yards rushing, five total touchdowns. Um, so he Isn't got he after his SMU commit. Yeah, too? SMU commit. Yeah. So he spent his first two years uh, at Coppell, and he was on varsity as a freshman and mm-hmm. sophomore before going to South Lake. So he might have been a little bit more jazzed up yeah, for that I game think than he normal. Was a little jazzed up for that one, and then he went 70 or 69 yards on the third play on a little option and just kept rolling from there. Coppell really just couldn't do anything. To get a bit of redemption though from Hebron, yeah. you know, and we talked about Plano East and Saxe reversing the result from uh, from their prior meeting that same week actually was the Hebron Fossil Ridge game, yeah. and uh, yeah, Hebron able to exact some revenge in the playoffs. Yeah, well how about the Hebron defense? They give they play a first time and give up 32nd po- 7 points yeah, and they turn around and hold them to 7. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked a lot about Trajan Bridges not playing in that first game, but he doesn't have like a dynamic impact on the defense. So no, no, that's that was definitely really. Or the, excuse me, the Hebron defense really bucked up there and shut down a, a uh, Fossil Ridge offense that's pretty decent mm-hmm. and obviously had a good game against them the first time. And then it looks like Bridges uh, definitely helped the offense. And I'm sure you saw his one-handed catch. I actually, haven't yet. Yeah, you have a, you have oh, a sweet yeah. one. Yeah, he has a nice. You, you can watch uh, ESPN because Randy Moss oh, wow. was calling him up. He got he got mossed. Really? So yeah, he was. Uh, they had the highlight on. Uh, 
what an NFL game day or whatever mm-hmm. before, and Randy Moss gave him a shout out. So wow. that was a nice one-handed catch, kind of Beckham style, like in the he's made it on the sideline <laughs> there. <laughs> he's on. The, you got Moss, he's made it. Yeah. So, um, and so they'll get Richardson Pierce, who pulled off that crazy upset over Cedar without a, without week. question the most surprising yeah. result in the first round Richardson Pierce over Cedar Hill yeah. people are saying that was like the most surprising thing since Rollett beat Allen way back in the day like 10 years I'd ago I'd buy it I, yeah. I mean weren't they they were projected 95% uh, win probability against like something yeah. Like, yeah, yeah they were like 40 point favorites in some spots I don't know people were predicting that and then they go beat Cedar Hill that's that yeah. nuts yeah. I, don't, I don't see that magic Continuing over, let's shift gears to uh, to Frisco ISD, Brian, because it was a uh, it was a big night for Frisco ISD. Some very uh, some very resounding victories out of that district for the uh, for the first round. Your um, who would you say between the uh, those uh, those teams that did find the win column? Who would you say was kind of your MVP of the uh, of the first round? Without a doubt, Frisco Lone Star. You know, in a rematch from last year's regional final, a game they lost mm-hmm. in the fourth round to the Broncos. You know, they come back and pummel them in the first round, forty-one to six. You know, it was it was close, you know, the first quarter and a half, and then Lone Star made some big plays at the end of the first half, and then they really made some big plays at, to the begin the second half. They found Marvin Mims, mm. their go-to receiver, one of the best wide receivers uh, in the area. He scored on a 40-yard jet sweep. The play before that, he had a 30-yard catch on third and long to, get, to keep the drive alive. So once they got that, you know, that big, those two big plays, they were up 20 to nothing, and it was just the route was just on. And I was kind of shocked. I thought this was going to be, you know, another – you know, prototypical Lone Star game, you know, 16 to 13, 13 to 10, whatever. They've had a lot of games like that. And it, it was kind of pacing out to be that way. It was it was 3 to 0 at the end of the first quarter, Lone Star. And I was like, oh, man, another another defensive battle for, for the Rangers. And then they just flipped the switch, turned it on. And, you know, no one will admit it to me that they were looking for revenge. Coach Raver, none of them will admit it. But I know deep down they really, really wanted that one because that one knocked them out of the playoffs last year in a, in a close one, a game that they felt like, you know, some you know, I, I felt like they outplayed them last year, and you know Jalen Catalan wasn't playing in this game. You know the star safety, star quarterback. You know he was one, one of the best players in the state of Texas uh, before he got hurt in Week One. But still, nonetheless, to beat a team like that, forty-one to six, without a doubt, that was the best performance in Frisco ISD. How far behind was what Frisco did to uh, to Sulphur Springs? That now that they they laid it to them. Yeah. I you know I thought that was going to be close. Go, like with my pick going into that game for the picket line, I was unsure. You know, I, I think everyone picked Frisco. Mm-hmm. Did we not? And, but uh, was, there might have been one for Sulphur Springs. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was um, Kendrick. And, yeah. yeah, call him out. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that was going to be one of those where, you know, it was going to be 3 3 or mm-hmm. even 4 2. I almost picked Sulphur Springs just because, you know, I don't know. Frisco's back in the playoffs. I don't know if they can they can do it. But, man, they, they look good. And, they you know, they face a really tough uh, South Oak Cliff team. You know, they're 10 0 undefeated. But,. They haven't really played anyone, and you know they've played some of those DISD schools that aren't you know very good this year, uh, to put it to put it lightly. And you know they, they had a game scheduled against Duncanville in week two, but that was canceled back when the, the crazy lightning and rain delays and stuff. So you can't really gauge how good South Oak Cliff really is. So I, I won't be surprised if, if Frisco keeps on rolling again this week against against the Bears. It really just does speak to just the. Uh, I, I always I always tend to almost pick Frisco by default in the first round of the playoffs because I, I feel like. It it really is like kind of a built-in advantage, just the that wing T style and just a team that has never seen that before and just how 
rare that style of play is and how like like Frisco like all the Frisco schools have seen yeah they've played Frisco a million times so they know what to expect they know how to scheme for that stuff but a team like Sulphur Springs where you just like you can't like appropriately simulate um, just how to prepare for that style of offense just in the amount of time that they're afforded yeah. and they'll and, they'll They'll huddle mm-hmm. and then they'll break the huddle and just line up. Oh yeah, they, super they run big. fast. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that against Lake Dallas, they were quick to the yeah. line and quick to snap the ball. And it can cause problems if if a team isn't you know really big and powerful up front mm-hmm. to really stop that run or or quick on the edges with the outside linebackers. And I don't, at Sulphur Springs, just didn't have an answer because you really like I think three different. Four different runners carry the ball. Not e- not even to mention the quarterback. You know, Frisco. You, you can't just key in on one guy, or or even two guys. There's three, four, sometimes five guys that'll run the ball uh, for Frisco. I think four different runners in that game had touchdowns, mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. How do you stop that? You know, if you don't have a dominant you know defensive yeah. line. So. Frisco, um, the fourth time in six years that they've advanced out of the first round. And I think just in kind of recipes like that, where when you factor in the ability to establish the run, plus they won the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's there definitely is a formula there. And if Frisco is able to do what it does and win the turnover battle, like that's just that's a really tough team to beat when they're able to get that kind of stuff and in their favor. defense set the tone early in that game. They stopped them on fourth and one. They stopped them on fourth and one again later. In Frisco territory, they got a. They, I think it was four turnover on downs they mm-hmm. forced in that game. They got a really big interception in the third quarter of that game that kind of sealed the deal. You know, kind of put it away, maybe put it out of reach because Frisco went on to score on that drive. So the defense was great. They had a scoop and score in the final minutes just to add you know a little little salt in the wounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it was a great game defensively. We talk about the wing T offense for Frisco, but their defense is, is looking really good right now also. So Lone Star versus Legacy was theoretically the number two seed from five five A versus the number three th- the number three seed, yeah, I should say, mm-hmm. from uh, from six five A. And that produced a forty one to six result. So how how bizarre was then the the colony and Mansfield sense. Timberview? Uh, they just couldn't stop the run. They yeah. just got whooped in the trenches. Um, Harrington had no time to throw on offense. I think at one point they had 10 straight incompletions. Mm-hmm. I want to say maybe the only pass they even completed in the second half was actually a touchdown pass that Miles Price threw on a rever- double reverse pass to Christian Gonzalez. I don't recall if Harrington even had a completion. But mm-hmm. then the, I guess Tim, Timberview had some quarterback issues, and so they made a change because of injuries. And so this, they, they run a lot of wildcat with this Stacy Snee kid. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't stop him. I mean, it's like the Miami Dolphins versus the Patriots back in two thousand eight. Almost two hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, he went Ronnie Brown. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they just couldn't stop him. Like, and so they just pounded the ball, and you know the colony kept it close. You know, momentum is such a crazy thing. So the colony comes out and they just get a quick fourteen zero lead. Price is all alone for a touchdown. Then they come back down and score, and they're kicking off, and they kick off a touchback. But right before they had kicked, there was a clock malfunction. So the officials had blown the whistle right before they kick it. So they have to go kick again. Timberview runs the kick back all the way for a touchdown, and it just oh, wow. like they just it just rattled them. I guess they never recovered. They end up falling behind. They get within five late. Actually, we're only down five with like ten minutes left, but they couldn't muscle up another scoring drive. And but yeah, I was very surprised. That does not look like a four seed from Timberview. But then you look at some of their scores, and they weren't even really competitive against Lancaster or Highland Park. So I don't. Just one of those days where I guess the colony was off a little bit, didn't get any breaks, and 
Timber, you just controlled the line. Of scrimmage. I mean, coaches say that the first round is where, if there's going to be an upset, it's you're probably going to yeah. see it in the in the first round. Um, any other first round reactions before we get out of here? Well, I thought we were going to see an upset between Highland Park and in Frisco Independence mm-hmm. midway through the second quarter of that game. I was looking at that one pretty closely. It was tied 14-14 at one point before Highland Park pulled away. It's not like Independence really, you know, got outplayed in that one. They turned mm-hmm. the ball over three times. Highland Park turned it over zero times. And you really can't do that against the best team in, in the state, the two-time defending state champions, and, and that's why they lost, you know, down the stretch. But really, Independence really, uh, really hung in there with Highland Park. I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised, uh, pre- pleased to see that also, you know. And they did it in the second half without Logan Brungart, their yep. star running back. You know, he's good. He might get a super- superlative uh, this year in that district. This year, he was he was so good. And that will do it for this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. A look at uh, some of our takes from the first round, and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about uh, the second round of the playoffs, um, including our game of the week and some of the other marquee matchups that are on the docket. Uh, Brian, Justin, Kendrick, and Devin, appreciate everybody for tagging along for this one. Uh, Folks, you enjoy your week, and uh, we will talk to you all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.